Good evening. For those of you that are joining us on Facebook, we are in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to go back and uh, start in verse 3, uh, just because it's important to the context. So starting in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually, members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. In service in service, if teaching, in teaching, if exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come this evening, we thank you again for the wonderful salvation that you've given to us. As we look at this passage, we recognize that we are not to be conformed to the image of this world which might find us enjoying the comfort of the American affluent society instead of recognizing that we've been bought with a price. But we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we not only present our bodies as a living sacrifice, but that we would know what is the uh, good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. As we look at this passage, we recognize that you have gifted us and enabled us to serve one another and especially to serve you. So I pray, Father, that you would enlighten our eyes and give us grace to see the things that we need to see. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged and strengthen us for your service. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so this is the Believer's Spiritual Gifts Part 2. Uh, the using of our gifts. Uh, he starts out in the New King James, having then gifts. Now, one of the things we need to understand about spiritual gifts is that there are three classifications of gift. If you are saved, you have, now again, I'm going to go with the standard teaching for a minute, and we'll come back to what I told you last week and what I still believe. The standard teaching is you have been gifted by the Spirit of God in at least one area to serve the body of Christ and the Lord. Some people will go so far as to say you have a primary gift and a secondary gift. Larry, during a membership class, will give a spiritual gifts test. Still do that, I assume. And you'll see that I believe there's nine gifts on that spiritual gifts test. And you'll see where you might score really high in one area and relatively low in another area. Uh, remember the first time I took the spiritual gifts test, uh, encouragement or prophecy scored pretty high on mercy. Out of 24, I scored three. Now, the next time I took it a few years later, I, I scored a six. And then I had to take it again before we went to Brazil and I scored 10. So I was becoming more merciful. My wife was always considered to be a merciful person. She scored 22 out of 24. Uh, the way she treats me, I'm not sure that she really has that much mercy, but that's another thing altogether. Um, I, I think that the spiritual gifts test gives you a good example of what I believe the Bible teaches, that you're gifted in all the areas in different measures. 
That doesn't mean you cannot improve in an area where you're low on. And it doesn't mean that someplace you may score really high because you have lots of experience in that area. So that's what you're accustomed to doing. And that test is based on your experience. Where another area, you haven't had any experience yet. So you may score low. But as soon as you do it, all of a sudden you may score high because you enjoy doing it. So my personal opinion, and I, I think I can back it up from Scripture here tonight, is that you are gifted in all the areas of service that you need to be uh, uh, doing because all of these areas are areas that all of us are supposed to be doing, okay? And I don't think that God says, you should do this, and then doesn't enable you to do it, okay? Yes, Larry. Yeah, it'll draw it out of you. Or you'll say, yeah, no, I am not working in the nursery ever again. <laughs> uh, that would be my appropriate. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of like, how many of you can shoot a basketball? Okay, uh, Wayne can. He plans on doing that tonight. Um, well, oh, you have to preach? Okay. Well, my understanding is, is that, no, they're not having basketball, but some people are planning on being here to play basketball, so don't tell anybody. But, um, uh, you know, any, anyone here can take that ball, probably dribble it a little bit, and shoot it up there and might get it in. And then you have people like LeBron James or the best player ever, Michael Jordan, that's another argument to get all upset about. Um, uh, and these guys, yes, they develop their talent, but are they not gifted when it comes to playing the game? See what I'm saying? Where if I'm playing the game, when I was down in Brazil, they asked me to play soccer, and I don't like soccer, okay? Uh, there's a various reasons, and so they, they had me be the goalie. So here I am in front of the goal. What? It's not because I'm wide. It's because I didn't have to run that way. But I, I'm standing in front of the goal, and one of the guys comes over, and he stands right beside me. And I'm, I'm kind of pushing him out of the way. Actually, the reason why they had me play the goal is because when I was running, I was knocking people over to keep that ball going. They go, this is not American football. This is football, but not American football. So they had me uh, 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 guarding the goal, and the guy comes over and gets next to me. And as I'm trying to guard the goal, I reach over and I squoze with this hand. Now, it was, it was just because I was tense. Well, I kind of grabbed him on the inside of the leg, and he went, oh, oh. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not good when it comes to playing soccer, and yet you have guys that are gifted in it, like basketball. So I think the same thing is true. If I were to play soccer all the time, might I get better? Sure. Basketball, same thing. But uh, I'd just soon throw a football or a Frisbee. Uh, much better, at, or play baseball. Much better at those things. So I, I think that's the same thing when it comes to your spiritual gifts. We're all expected to do all of them. We're all gifted in some measure to do all of them. You can develop your ability to do to serve in any one of the areas. You're probably going to have an area that this is where you shine and do the best for the Lord, and that, that's probably where you're going to uh, major your ministry. Uh, so let's take a look. There are three classifications of gifts. If you read Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, uh, give you this idea. So first of all, we have sign gifts. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Uh, so First uh, Corinthians is written somewhere around 54 A.D., so notice the purpose of these sign gifts were to uh, authenticate the teaching of the apostles. In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Or in Hebrews 2, 3, and 4, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Who are those? The disciples or the apostles. Uh, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So uh, the purpose of the sign gifts was to authenticate the teaching of the apostles. The word that's used in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, uh, concerning, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, is pneumaticus, uh, non-carnal, ethereal, as opposed to gross, a spirit, supernatural, regenerate, religious, or spiritual. That's what the word means. And uh, that's going to be different than what we see in letter B. Gifts spoken of here in Romans chapter 12 is charisma, but we'll see that in just a moment. Um, Notice number three, the emphasis in 1 Corinthians 12 is the nature and authority of gifts. Uh, They're spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if you're reading 1 Corinthians 12, that's the emphasis that Paul is going to be bringing across. But notice in number four here, when it comes to the other lists of gifts in the New Testament, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 7, and 11, 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11, there's no mention of sign gifts. Hmm. Now notice all of those letters are written four to ten years after 1 Corinthians. So between the writing of 1 Corinthians and the death of Paul, all of a sudden there's these sign gifts here, but no mention of of them here. Why? Well, let's take a look at a couple things. Notice they were already coming to an end. How do we know that? Well, 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now, in the context, um, there's going to be something that's going to act upon knowledge and uh, prophecies, which is going to cause them to come to an end. And it's that which is perfect. Now, some people say that that which is perfect is the Word of God. Therefore, by the time the Word of God is done being written, there's no more sign gifts. Well, you know, it fits with our theology, but is that what it means? Chances are that passage is actually speaking to the return of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back, there's not going to be a need for preaching, prophecy, uh, or uh, what was the other one here? Uh, knowledge. Yeah, knowledge, okay? Uh, there's not going to be a need for all those because here, there he is right in front of you, okay? Now, it does say that tongues will cease. 
And uh, this one, instead of something acting on it to cause it to end, it's basically going to come to an end by itself. If I were to throw a ball as hard as I could, and believe me, I'm not very good at that, uh, the ball would go so far, and then little by little, air, friction, uh, gravity would act on it, and it would... And then when it stopped rolling, it ceased. That's the idea here of tongues. Now, um, the whole point being is, when did all of this stuff possibly come to an end, these sign gifts? Well, let me, uh, I, you know, it's one verse I didn't uh, copy and put on this paper. So I'm going to turn here to Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. Paul is speaking uh, to the Philippians about uh, Epaphroditus. He says, But I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. Now, I don't know about you, but here's how my mind thinks. So, you're an apostle. Do something about it. Paul decided to do something about it. This is what he did. He said, um, he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. What did Paul do? He prayed. Why didn't he heal him? He's an apostle, had all the signs of the apostle, confirming with signs and wonders and healings. Because once the word has been preached and the church has been established... There's not a need for all of that anymore. Now, we walk by faith in what God said. We don't need a sign. In fact, what did Jesus say about people that sought a sign? They were an adulterous generation. So, uh, now, th that's how we're going to explain things. If you go to some of our uh, brothers' churches around the corner or, or wherever, they're going to explain it a little bit differently. It's not my desire to fight with them about the subject. It's my desire to explain to you so that you might understand why we believe the sign gifts are not part of uh, the whole thing here. Now, does that mean that God can't heal someone? Oh, of course not. We just don't believe that pastor's been gifted to lay his hands on you and say, my mother can beat your mother in dominoes, and boom, you're good, okay? Uh, now, we do see in James chapter 5 where if someone's sick, let him call the elders. We do that here, and in some cases, it has, God has blessed. In other cases, wasn't his will to go that way. So whole point being is uh, sign gifts served a purpose, and we believe that they came to an end even before the end of Paul's life, 10 years after he has written about this. So that brings us to the other two classifications of uh, gifts. We see this in Romans, uh, our passage tonight, um, 
3 through 8, Ephesians 4, 7 and 11, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, which I'll read in just a moment. But the two types of gifts here are speaking and serving gifts, okay? Uh, the, the word for gifts here is charisma. It means a divine gratuity, deliverance from danger or passion, uh, a spiritual endowment, a religious qualification, or a miraculous faculty, a free gift, Okay. And the emphasis in this passage is the source of the gifts. It's the grace of God. So in 1 Corinthians, the emphasis was the nature and authority of the gifts. It's spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, by the way, all of our gifts, when we're going to be using them, ought to be spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Paul's emphasizing one thing in 1 Corinthians 12. He's emphasizing another thing here in Romans 12. What he's emphasizing here is the source of the gifts. It's the grace of God. You have these gifts because God is gracious. Okay? That brings us to number two. <coughs> Excuse me. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Notice he starts by referring back to the concept of uni unity and diversity. We talked about that last week where uh, the body is made up of many different parts and each part has its own function, but it's still one body. Um, one of the things I pointed out was uh, pastor and myself, we are not John MacArthur. John MacArthur is gifted the way John MacArthur is gifted according to the will of God and by the Holy Spirit. Pastor is gifted a little bit differently than I am. There's some similarities, but I am gifted different than he is. So when you come on Sunday night to expect to hear some of the same kinds of things that you might hear on Sunday morning, okay. But delivery might be a little bit different. I find that pastor's a whole lot nicer than I am. Okay, I don't know what you think, but pastor says amen too. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, we have different gifting, different functions, uh, but we're still part of the same body. Okay, now come over here to Dave and ask Dave to talk to a motor in a car. Okay, he'll do it. Ask Dave to speak to 100 people. Now, if you put a gun to his head, he, he might come up with something, <laughs> but that is not where he is going to shine. He, he shines in service, okay? But still part of the body? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he, he starts out referencing, going back to what he had just said, uh, we have different uh, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, and uh, differing refers to diversity, and it is by God's sovereign grace that we all have been dealt gifts referring to unity. So even though our gifts are different, we all have them. That shows that there's that one source and there's the one purpose one purpose in the sense of ministering or uh, building up the body or used for outreach, but it's all to glorify God. It is not, hey, everybody, look at me. Am I something special or what? That kind of a thing, okay? One body. So we have the unity. Letter B, according to the grace that is given us. Notice back there in, uh, I believe it's verse 3, he says... For the a grace given to me, uh, he says it again in verse 4, um, 
No, no, not verse four. Uh, The end of verse three, he says, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. And then here in verse six, he says, uh, according to the grace given to us. He keeps on emphasizing that it's according to how God has gifted us. Notice our notes here. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, uh, he says there in verse 3. In 1 Corinthians uh, 3.10, he says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, same phraseology there, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So notice, he is establishing the foundation that the church is being built on. Now, Christ obviously is the chief cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the foundation, okay? And Paul had a big part of doing that. When you think about his writings in the New Testament, he has written almost half of the letters in the New Testament, okay? So that's what he says. According to the grace given to me, according to what God has called me to do, I've been part of laying that foundation. Larry, do you get to put an addition on this building? No, you get to build on the foundation that's already established. If we were to go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 3 there, we would see that the foundation is Christ. There's not another foundation. Uh, I was talking to a charismatic brethren uh, years ago when I needed a a transmission in a a Ford Taurus wagon, and he comes from a Pentecostal-type background, and he believed that to use the word pastor was it's kind of like, wow, you, have you ever read Jeremiah? It's kind of like, yeah, I have. And there's a place in Jeremiah that really puts down the pastors or the shepherds of the people because they were wicked men. That doesn't mean we can't continue to use the word, especially when it's used in the New Testament, right? But um, he felt as though uh, the tongues and the sign gifts were all part of putting additions onto the church. Kind of like, no. The foundation is laid. There's no need for an addition. It's not as though God said, you know, I had this great floor plan. I forgot a bathroom. Let's put an addition on. No, no, that's not how it works, okay? The foundation's been laid by the apostles and prophets, but notice how Paul says it, according to the grace given to me. I didn't do more than I could have. I didn't do less than I could have. I did according to that which was given to me to do. And so we see this idea here that it's grace. Now, grace, normally we think of God's riches at Christ's expense, or if you will, God's favor, his unmerited kindness. It's something that is not earned or deserved. We, uh, we actually sang about that this morning. But notice, it is also the only source of spiritual enablement. So when we talk about doing a good work, as I have told you over and over and over again, doing a good work is that which is done for the glory of God in the power of the Spirit. It's when we're walking in that humility and doing what God wants us to do, and the Spirit of God completes that. That's a good work. Well, the same thing is talked about when we're talking about the use of our gifts. Uh, when we, if if I had uh, Paul's ability, for let's say, and I was saying, hey, everybody, come on over here. I got all the answers for you. And it was all about me getting glory. I might be able to use my ability or gifting to do that, 
doesn't bring any to uh, any glory to God, it's not a good work. I may have I may have answered all of the questions correctly. I may have taught wonderful things. Remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians? If I were to speak in the tongue uh, of uh, men and angels, and I had not love. Ah. So when we walk in the Spirit, can we say we're walking in love? Can we say we're walking in light? Walking in truth? See how those all kind of go together? Well, the same thing is true. If I, if I have this spiritual gift and I use it, and I'm not doing it for the glory of God... I'm not walking according to the grace given to me. I'm just using what God has given, and I'm getting all the praise and glory. So when we talk about according to the grace given to us, it is the only source of spiritual enablement. God's sovereign grace decides what measure of each gift his children receive. Now, uh, we probably need to go back and look at a couple of verses that I told you we'd look at earlier, and you'll see uh, they're used a few times here in our notes. Ephesians 4, 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Notice how it's according to the measure. You know, uh, when I first took that spiritual gifts test, I had a tablespoon. And because of the grace of God, I was able to uh, develop, grow up a little bit more in that area. The next time I took it, I had two tablespoons and then three tablespoons. And I don't know if three tablespoons makes a half a cup yet, but, uh, you know, maybe the next time I didn't know, not quite. <laughs> um, uh, so hopefully by now I have about a half a cup of uh, mercy. Uh, but, but that's the idea there, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11 of uh, Ephesians 4, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And again, apostles, just like sign gifts, no need for them today. We, we have the Word of God. The message has been confirmed to us. So now we have uh, pastors and teachers. Uh, evangelists, yeah, some people are evangelists. Prophets, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit as far as what a, a prophet really is and things like that. How about First Peter 4, 10, and 11, directly related to our uh, passage here? As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, serves, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you see, once again, let him do it according to the measure that God supplies. That's that idea uh, of uh, according to the measure of grace given. Uh, that brings us to letter B. Let us use them. So the using of our spiritual gifts, now we're saying let us use them. He goes on and lists off a bunch of gifts and how they're to be used. So number one, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, uh, let's understand prophecy. There are two aspects of prophecy. Uh, the first aspect is it is a special revelatory gift. Okay? Gift uh, given, it is linked to the sign gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And as a sign gift, the concept of direct revelation from God ended when the purpose was fulfilled. 
So the people that are uh, on TV, maybe on the radio, telling you that they got direct revelation from God about such and such a thing or an event that's going to be happening here soon that's not already in the Word of God? Yeah, no. Okay? Uh, that type Now, that type of prophecy will happen again towards the end. Uh, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on the children of Israel, and they're going to dream dreams and speak in tongues again probably and prophesy and have no problem with that, okay? But again, purpose. What was the purpose of it? We have the completed canon. We don't need it anymore. We have to believe what we got, right? Okay, so uh, again, as a sign gift ended when the purpose was fulfilled. Number two, the second aspect of the gift of prophecy is the proclamation of God's message. Uh, you'll see that in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, and 31. Oh, there it is. Uh, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. This is actually the program for how the church is supposed to operate uh, in the Corinthian uh, church. And therefore, not necessarily just one preacher, maybe two or three people are reading passages and talking about that. Verse 31, for you can, uh, can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So again, you see this idea that it's not necessarily just one person, but several people, and there's going to be the reading of the Scripture and giving the expl explanation thereof, but that would be the same concept of prophecy. Now, prophecy is going to differ a little bit from teaching. We'll see that in a moment, but I want you to see. Notice here it is linked with the speaking and serving gifts, concluding that it had both revelatory and non-revelatory aspects. So there was a time, and there will be a time again in the future, when there's revelatory information given directly from God uh, through the prophet. He's telling you something that he hasn't revealed before. Or... The second aspect, he's telling you something that he's already revealed, and now he's trying to give you the motivation to listen to it, that kind of a thing. So the gift of prophecy isn't about the content as much as the means of proclamation. Uh, the difference between, for example, well, let me, uh, let me go ahead with the notes here so we uh, get things taken care of, but I'll, I'll explain the difference between prophecy and um, teaching. Uh, the word for prophecy is propheteia, prediction, scriptural or other, prophecy or prophesying. The literal meaning of the word is speaking forth. So a teacher can be speaking forth, but not necessarily be prophesying, where a prophet is going to be speaking forth and he's going to be declaring stuff. And again, I'll explain in a moment. Uh, notice there is no connotation of prediction or other supernatural or mystical significance. First uh, Corinthians fourteen three says that the purpose of prophecy is for edification. It says, but he who prophesies. Now there's a comparison in chapter fourteen between tongues in the church and prophesying in the church. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Okay. Notice it's not so much about revealing something that hasn't been revealed as much as it is edifying, encouraging, exhorting. P. 
people in their actions. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so prophecy would be being God's spokesman. When we're talking about speaking to God's people, it is to encourage or admonish. Admonish means to warn. Let me give you an example. If Christians are not going to live in the power of the Spirit and demonstrate what the life of Christ looks like in a free society and then give an answer for the hope that they have within them, Somewhere in the rush, people are going to look at them and think, what a bunch of hypocrites, and the society is going to go the way of all the earth. Now, I just said, what might happen? Look at our country. Why are we the bad guys? Have, has the church been about the business of reaching the lost with the love of Christ? Or... Have we been about the business of legislating righteousness? And, and, and I'm not saying that legislating righteousness is wrong, but there's an awful lot of judgmentalism where if you, if you come in here and, and you're homosexual, we're going to let you know you're not. No, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Is that how Jesus would treat him? I mean, he went and touched lepers. Okay? Um if you look at where the, in church history, where the church did well, they were usually ministering to people that didn't like them. Hmm. They weren't being judgmental and keeping them out. They were ministering to them. Dur- during, if you think about the history of hospitals, where, where medicine and hospitals all got their start, it was from people that were trying to minister to sick people. And many times they were Christian. I'm not saying all the time, but many times. Same with the educational system. Look at where the educational system went as soon as the government took over the whole thing. Boy, they. <laughs> but, but again, um, those are the kinds of things that happen. And so a prophet back in the uh, 50s might have been saying, look, we need to be about the w- business of, of winning some of these people for Christ. Otherwise, the society is going down the tubes. That would be admonishing. It would be warning. Okay, and of course now we look back and recognize uh, maybe maybe that's why some of this went down the tubes because we've been very comfortable sitting in our churches and and trying to stay separate from all those people out there. You know, Paul says you shouldn't even eat with an uh, an immoral person. Go back and read that passage. He doesn't say with an immoral unbeliever. He says an immoral believer shouldn't eat with them. He says, if, if, if you weren't going to eat with immoral people that were unbelievers, you'd have to leave the world. whole point being is hospitality doesn't just happen to believers, but maybe you invite some unbelievers over too, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> uh, that's the concept of encouraging or admonishing. As far as being God's spokesman, when we're talking about reaching unbelievers, uh, it's going to be another thing. Notice in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And again, this is the idea that everybody is proclaiming what God's word says. 
It is the Spirit of God that takes the Word and convicts the heart of the unbeliever, and he realizes, man, I'm in trouble, and uh, he gets on his knees and repents. That's the idea here. So uh, when uh, talking to unbelievers, it is to reach them. Let us see. Let us prophesy in a proportion to our faith. Now, there's two ways that this phrase could be defined. I think I've already defined it for you, but I do want to give an honest uh, approach to the passage here. It could be in proportion to our or the faith, okay? Or it could be in proportion to the individual faith that God has sovereignly assigned, So again, uh, John MacArthur, different background than pastor or myself, grows up as a pastor's kid, uh, pastor's grandkid, uh, starts relatively young in the ministry because he's already got that foundation laid. Pastor and I, we come to the Lord a little bit later in life, uh, come out of some colorful backgrounds. Can we say that? (laughs) Uh, And so we're having to do an awful lot of growing to get to where we are. Is there more growing to do? Probably. uh, Sure. Not a problem with that. Okay. Uh, Now, is there more growing for John? Yeah, but the stuff that we're going through now, he probably dealt with 50 years ago. (laughs) Okay. And now he's that much further along. Again, that's according to the grace given to him. And that's not complaining about where we are. That's understanding it's different. And it's okay that it's different. So minister in proportion to the faith that God has sovereignly assigned to you. Number two, ministry. Or ministry, let us uh, use it in our ministering. The word for ministry here is diakoneia. It's where we get the word deacon. It means attendance as a servant, aid, official service, especially of the Christian teacher or of the diaconate, uh, administer, administering, administration, etc. Um, it deals with the office of deacon. It has a broad scope of application, and it is similar to the gift of helps in 1 Corinthians 12. 28. First uh, Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. So you see it's, it's a little bit lower on the uh, pole of uh, the priority of these giftings, but again, it's the way God did it. So basically, this is the idea of service. Someone who is serving. Uh, We have people that hand out bulletins. Is their service somehow less than someone that's working in the nursery? No, it's different. Okay? And if that's, uh, you you might remember when uh, George was here, George Langston, he would hand out bulletins and make everyone feel welcome like they were the only person that had come to church that morning. And if it was someone that came for the first time, he would walk around with that person and introduce them to various other people. Can I tell you, George was gifted. (laughs) Okay, now you can talk about his political background and all that kind of stuff, all maybe uh, leading up to that, but uh, he did a great job. There was nothing wrong with uh, the ability that God gave to him, and therefore anyone else should take that task. And notice how it says that person should minister. Uh, um, let me see, there it is, <laughs> um, has a broad scope of application similar to the gift of helps. Uh, let us use it in our ministering. 
So you find out what works best for you, and you serve. Number three, he who teaches in teaching. The word teaching here is didasco. It basically means to teach. It is the ability to interpret and present God's truth in an understandable way. Now notice, what is the teacher doing? He's taking it piece by piece, explaining it so that people will learn and understand. What is the prophet doing? He's exhorting. He's motivating. He's warning. So the difference between the two gifts, they may use the same passage, but the prophet is not going to get into all of the details. He's going to sit there and say, Ezekiel was told that you're going to be my watchman on the wall. And if someone comes in and he's uh, sinning and I tell you to go and talk to him, and you better go talk to him because if you don't, he's going to die in his sin, but you, I'm going to hold you responsible for his blood. See, he didn't explain any of the words. He didn't get down to the details. He just said, this applies to y'all. You need to be talking to people God brings into your life or else. (laughs) See what I'm saying? Teacher is going to go through there, talk about the wall, parts of it being broken down. Someone had to watch over that area. So none of the enemies, uh, he's going to get into all the details. Okay? So the teacher here, in his teaching. Uh, Number two, different from prophecy is that not content, but the ability to give systematic and regular instruction in God's word, which is the primary function of the pastor. Uh, When we consider the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, uh, the characterization of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 42. Let me read those for you. Okay, I'm not going to read those for you. I thought I had them there. Well, Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20 is going to be uh, all authority is given unto me. So as you're going, make disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always. Uh, Acts 2.42, everyone met daily and they stayed in the apostles' teaching. Uh, that's, the, that's the idea there. So number four, he who exhorts in exhortation. The word for exhorts there is parakaleo, to call near, invite, invoke, beseech, call for. Uh, The idea is someone that is coming alongside, uh, and that person is actually called alongside. It encompasses the idea of advising, pleading, encouraging, warning, strengthening. You know what I see when I look at this? Biblical counseling, okay? Uh, The Holy Spirit is called the counselor or the comforter. Well, that's the same word, parakaleo, okay? Uh, Letter C, it is to be done in some measure by all believers. Biblical counseling is to be done in some measure by all believers. I recently had someone ask me, who are the ladies that are certified in counseling here? And so I, I gave her a, a list of uh, a few of the ladies that I knew had gone through our program, and they were certified, and they had done counseling. And then I said, and then there's, and I listed off a few ladies that I know are spiritually mature. No, they haven't been through our counseling program. Guess what? They can counsel you. 
They can advise you. They can help you grow in the areas that you need to grow. Why? Because they have grown in those areas. You don't have to have the piece of paper. Piece of paper, you're going to learn some things if you go through our program, I promise you. Uh, I've been doing counseling for a lot of years, and I went through the program, and I thought at first, kind of like, this is going to be kind of easy. And then I did all the work. <laughs> it's kind of like, whoa, boy, I'll tell you, I earned my master's degree. But the uh, whole point being is you, you don't have to go through the program if, if you're spiritually mature and you've, been, you've spent time in the Word and, and you've walked with Him. And, and so I, I pointed her to some other ladies that haven't been through our program, but I know they can help. Okay, that's the idea here. It is to be done in some measure by all believers. Let me read a couple of verses. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Or how about another one that most of us know and don't realize that this is what we're supposed to be doing when we're getting together. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching." I had a gentleman here not too long ago tell me, I have asked various ladies in the church to call my wife and try and encourage her. And none of them have done it. Now, I know of another person that that they feel kind of disconnected because they don't live close and they're not able to get here all the time and And I was so glad to hear that someone from the church drove all the way out there and visited for a little while. Ministering, coming alongside, just being an encouragement. That's what we're supposed to do. I mean, we all think that coming to church means we're going to sing some songs, we're going to hear the pastor speak, and then we can get out of here as quick as possible if if we don't have three sign-up sheets to fill out, okay? Because we want to be the first ones to the restaurant. I'm so glad to see that some people end up standing in here and talking. Usually my wife's one of them, but um, another thing altogether. Uh, the, 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 uh, is it the Woodruffs? Uh, they were standing here talking to a variety of people. I don't know how long after the service this morning. Hallelujah. That's the kind of thing that ought to happen. Get to know each other, be an encouragement to one another. That's the idea of the one who exhorts. Number five, he who gives with liberality. The word here for giving is metadidomai, uh, to give over. Uh, the word to give is didomai, but meta in front of it means to give a lot, to give over, to share, to give, to impart. And uh, with liberality there is heplates, uh, singleness, sincerity, without dissimulation or self-seeking. Ah, there's the magic words there. It's not about self-seeking or generosity, copious bestowal, bountifulness, liberality, simplicity, single. So to give sacrificially of what is one's own. Uh, I have a trailer. Uh, Someone in the church bought it for me years ago, thinking that Jonathan would be able to load up a tractor and a mower and a weed whacker and go around and make a little bit of money. The person 
gifted it to me. It's kind of like, wow. Now it's been 10, I don't know how many years. We still use it. And yes, we load up the mower and we go around and uh, do things. Uh, But when uh, one of my neighbors lived down the street, now down in Texas, but he would borrow it and he would haul uh, various things, but especially metal. And now Kenny lives down the street, constantly using it, wants to pay me $500 for it. I saw one today that's actually smaller than mine for $750. It's kind of like, nah, yeah, I'm not going to sell it to you for $500. Worth a lot more than that. <laughs> but the uh, whole point being is, yeah, it's in my name. I've got the title for it. I have to pay for the registration every year, so on and so on and so forth. But it is God's, and so therefore, generously, someone needs it, they end up borrowing it. I, I have a tiller. Now I don't put in a big garden, so I don't need this big tiller. But I don't know how many times various people have asked to borrow it. Sure, go ahead. Now, that's a little bit different. I'm not giving it to them. I'm lending it to them, okay? But the person that gives with liberality has that same mindset. It's not mine. God gave me this extra money. Where can I give it? And they're looking for that place. I know a few people in our church that are like that, and it's really neat to watch them because they're really looking for, okay, where can I, where can I put this extra $200? And I'm sitting there going, my grocery bill. <laughs> you know. Uh, and no, no, I don't want them to do that. But that's how they are. They're looking for that place to give. They give generously. Notice number two, to give of himself and not for himself. What do I mean by that? Well, 2 Corinthians 8, 2 to 5 says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, And beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about the offering that they said they would give a year ago. He's about to visit them and get that gift. And because their relationship's been strained by a variety of things, he's kind of letting them know, hey, these guys over here in Achaia, they, they were giving not according to their ability and even more than that. Because I had told them what you said you were going to give. And so they wanted to be a part of that. that that's the idea of the passage there. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It is amazing, the person that is gifted in the area of giving, uh, it seems like God's always given them a little bit extra. Why? Because he knows what they're going to do with it. They're going to give it. It's not about them. They give of themselves and not for themselves. Number six, he who leads with diligence. The word lead there is proistomy, uh, to stand before, to preside, or to practice, to maintain, to be over, or to rule. And the word diligence there is spode, uh, speed, dispatch, eagerness, uh, earnestness, business, uh, diligence, uh, forwardness, haste. When leadership is lacking, what happens? Well, 
Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 21.25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I don't know about you, but that sure sounds an awful lot like what we see going on in our country today. Can I tell you? It sounds a little bit like what we see happening in church. I didn't say Edgemont, though occasionally we think this, but in the churches of America, to think that people would say, this book right here is written by men, Jesus really isn't God, and go all over the creation with what they believe and then call themselves Christians. Huh? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But why Why can they do that? Because they're doing what's right in their own eyes. Uh, we want to be careful that we're not doing that, that we're following the leader. Okay, who's, who's the leader? Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of hosts. Not only the hosts of heaven, but also uh, he's the head of the body, and therefore we should be following. Number seven, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The word for mercy here is eleo, uh, to compassionate by word or deed, by divine grace, to have compassion, to have pity on, to have or obtain, receive uh, or show mercy on. It is endowed with sensitivity to suffering and sorrow. There are times when I say, Lord, why am I still involved in the benevolence ministry? You know I only have about three tablespoons of mercy, right? Well, maybe uh, he's developing it, okay? There are times when people come in, they give you uh, the song and dance, and it's kind of like, oy vey, you know? Uh, One of the things I see in the book of Proverbs is the, the poverty of the poor is their destruction. Now, it's not necessarily meaning because they're poor, oh, well, it's a problem. I find that there is a mindset among so many that are looking for benevolent help. Uh, For example, I've had one lady that has had an appointment the last three weeks, each week. And each week she calls two hours after her appointment and says, what time was my appointment again? Okay, we'll put you on next week. And then she calls back two hours after her appointment. Oh, what time was my appointment again? I thought it was noon. I'm like, no, we do 9, 10, and 11. And the third week. And now they want me to call back. And, and my mercy is really short. Um, and and I, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, if it's not that important to you, I'm not sure it ought to be that important to me. But then there are other times when... Man, this, I, I would like to be able to help some people more than I'm allowed to help them with. Um, but I send them on their way with what I can and some numbers so maybe they can find help elsewhere. Uh, but, but that's the idea, to, to have pity or compassion on someone, to be endowed with sensitivity to, uh, to their suffering and sorrow. And then the word cheerfulness is hilarotis. Uh, probably where we get the word uh, hilarity. Uh, It just means uh, 
well, I can't even say that first word, uh, cheerfulness. Uh, Proverbs 14, 21 and 31 says, he who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. So again, mercy is one of those things that we're all expected to do. And uh, in this particular case, if mercy is where you're gifted, and even if it's not where you're gifted, when you have to show it, you should show it with cheerfulness. I am more than glad to do what God wants me to do in those situations. So that's the list that we see here. Again, the body has many members, but it's one body. And according to the measure of grace that God has given you, you should be ministering in all of those areas areas accordingly. So, any questions or thoughts when it comes to this passage on spiritual gifts? Because we did cover a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. Uh, Larry was just saying that uh, the last one, uh, mercy with cheerfulness is basically you're happy to help. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday night. In the meantime, each morning, get up, consider reading the affirmation of faith. Uh, remember what God has done, not only in the past, because as we came to him, we also walk with him. So I I don't get up in the morning saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm ready to serve you. I sit there and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Give me wisdom. Give me grace to do in the situations that you're going to put before me as you'd have me to do. So be about the business of serving him. Let's close in prayer and we'll let you go. Father, again, we thank you for gifting us, Uh, not only providing salvation by your grace, but giving us spiritual abilities so that we might serve one another and therefore you and uh, bring the body to maturity as each one does its part. I pray, Father, that you might work in each of our hearts. I know there's only a few people here tonight. There's a few people watching. There might be a few more people that will watch a little bit later, but I know that we have a lot more people right here in this local body And I would ask, Father, that you might open our hearts to be about the business of serving one another for your honor and glory. And, Lord, that we would see uh, the body as a whole come to maturity because each one is doing its part. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Uh, Open our hearts and minds to the things that you have for us. As we consider the voting this week, we would ask, Lord, that you might hinder those who would cheat and that you might bring to light some of those things. And, Father, that you might bring forth through the voting process uh, those leaders that might most honor you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a good God-honoring week. Good night.